Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Mean girls caught on camera. Suspected private school students under investigation for violent bullying. New developments in a shocking murder. At this stage, it is uncertain if this was a random or targeted incident. A well-respected couple identified as the victims in a crime that has the community on edge. And allegations of abuse in Canada gymnastics. It really ultimately eroded all the joy and all the love that I had for the sport. The lawsuit that could change the sport forever. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news. We are learning more about a double homicide in Abbotsford where a husband and wife were found dead in their home. That's right. The couple was discovered Monday morning and today the integrated homicide investigation team has identified the pair. Ahmad Agahi is live with the latest developments and an appeal from investigators, Imad. Well, Chris, those investigators are now ready to publicly identify the victims of this double homicide to pedal forward this investigation, perhaps quickly, because time may be of the essence here. Uh, the police do not know if this was a random or targeted attack on this elderly couple here in the Matsqui neighborhood of Abbotsford in that home you could see behind us. Now, on Monday, the pair were found dead inside that home on Arcadian Way, just off a downed road. Their death was confirmed suspicious. Homicide investigators were called in and the entire property uh, was taped off. It has been now more than 48 hours since then. Bringing us to the update in the investigation coming this afternoon uh, when police identified the victims of this double homicide as 77-year-old Arnold de Young and his wife, 76-year-old Joanne de Young. Neither victim are known to police. Um, it's, they're from a quiet area and it's not associated to any gang activity or anything that's been happening in the lower mainland. So anyone who knows of them knew what they were doing or what sort of activities they were doing leading up to their deaths. It will be very important to us in constructing a timeline. It is a quiet area, so this is very unusual for us. But we have investigators on scene. There are cameras in the area. It is very isolated. And we're hopeful that we'll collect additional evidence. Now, adding to that, police also want video to review, whether that video is from area homes that have cameras pointing outwards or anyone who was driving through this area on Sunday or Monday with dash cams on their vehicle. They're asking people to bring forward that video so they can review some of the material, see if there's any uh, clues in it. Now, the cause of death is not something investigators are comfortable uh, sharing at this moment. And because there hasn't been an arrest made, they are asking for area residents to stay vigilant and look for any uh, suspicious activity and report it. 
All right, we'll hope someone comes up with a clue. Thanks very much, Ahmad. And more breaking news to tell you about now. A missing Abbotsford girl has now been found safe. Police earlier put out a public plea about the 15-year-old who was believed to be traveling with 47-year-old Daniel Ames from the United States. The girl was last seen Friday morning. Abbotsford police say thanks to the media coverage, someone recognized the pair in West Vancouver and called 911. The girl was located safely and Ames has been taken into custody while police continue their investigation. More concern tonight about teen violence and bullying as yet another disturbing video surfaces of a young girl being attacked. Ramina Dea has the story and the reaction from a BC mom who lost her daughter to bullying. But first, a warning. Some of the video in this story is disturbing. The 14-year-old victim chased and assaulted. Multiple teens pulling out their phones, not to call for help, instead posting the attack on social media. This incident was not reported to police. Nobody called 911. The teen attacked outside Point Grey Secondary School in Vancouver on April 16th. The victim, a student at a private school in the area. Global News has learned the students involved are from four West Side schools. No arrests have been made. That it's early in the investigation. We do know some of the people who were involved. In I'm really sorry, I didn't know! A number of innocent teens across Metro Vancouver have been the victims of terrifying violence recently. The VPD worried it's going to get worse. Police believe many youth crimes go unreported. Somehow it's escalated the behaviors. Carol Todd's daughter, Amanda, only 15 when she committed suicide a decade ago. The bullying case, which made international headlines, goes to trial next month. Todd urging parents to take what's happening right now extremely seriously. If kids are seeing something, they're hearing something, something's being planned that they know isn't right, there's ways to report it anonymously. If you report something... Um, you're snitching and you're going to be the next target. The, uh, the videos that we've seen are absolutely despicable. Uh, and uh, obviously, if, if additional resources are required, then we want to work with school districts to identify uh, what those needs might be. None of the schools responded directly to our emails about this disturbing attack. The Vancouver School District tells Global News it's the first time it's been made aware of the video. Vancouver police imploring anyone who knows something to step up and call. Romina Dea, Global News. BC's backcountry is known for breathtaking beauty and abundant wildlife, but residents living near Big White say squatters are spoiling the view. Take a look at the pile of garbage, garbage that was abandoned just off Big White Road between the ski resort and Highway 33. Among that mountain of trash, you can see vehicles, travel trailers, drug paraphernalia, children's clothing, and furniture. Volunteers with the nonprofit group Okanagan Forest Task Force say they had to wait until the snow melted before they were able to clean it all up. There's definitely been a spike in... Not, I'm not going to say homeless camps, but people trying to make the best of it in the backcountry. Um, I, I don't like using the word homeless, but, you know, it's, it is, I, 
I don't even know what to say. It's, it's, it's a growing situation. I think it's just important for us all to do what we can to help out. The group says there has to be better job or better job of enforcement of camping on Crown land. And they say they've passed off a number of license plates to the RCMP, hoping the Mounties will follow up. Whistler area residents are hopeful the transit strike that's affected the region for more than 100 days might finally come to an end. Talks between the transit union and the employer have resumed, and as Aaron MacArthur reports, both sides are optimistic a deal can finally be reached. In Whistler, hitching a ride, one of the more reliable ways to get to work right now, a strike by transit workers has made getting around the Sea to Sky corridor challenging. I don't have any way to get to work, so basically I'm hitchhiking. So you can't really plan to leave hours early. About 80 bus drivers and mechanics, represented by Unifor, walked off the job at the end of January. One of the key sticking points is salary. Workers in the Sea to Sky corridor make about three to four dollars an hour less than their counterparts in Metro Vancouver. The union wants to see a plan to reach salary parity. We're strong, we've gone this far, we have no reason to uh, take any less than what we're asking for, or a roadmap to what we're asking for. The disruption in service has had a significant impact on the community as a whole, but is being most severely felt by people who can least afford the added cost of transportation. Many residents in Whistler sympathize with the driver's situation, a Change.org petition has more than 2,000 signatures supporting the drivers. Unifor and the employer got back to the bargaining table Wednesday, this time with a mediator. My request is that they stay at the table uh, with the mediator until they have a deal, and if they can't make a deal, that they choose independent binding arbitration. The company that operates the transit system in the Sea to Sky corridor, Pacific Western, wouldn't do an on-camera interview today, but did say in a statement to Global News, they're optimistic a fair resolution can be found, and they look forward to working with the mediator. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Gymnastics Canada and governing bodies in six provinces are facing a class action lawsuit launched by a woman from B.C. Kristen Robinson spoke to the former gymnast at the center of it who is alleging physical, sexual and psychological abuse of gymnasts. Amelia Klein started her gymnastics career as a toddler and loved the sport until she began attending an elite program at nine years old. It really robbed me and, and I know so many others of our love for the sport and in many ways um, our physical and our mental health. Nearly two decades after she abandoned her dreams, Klein is leading a class action against Gymnastics Canada and provincial governing bodies over alleged abuse. We would be weighed um, on a weekly basis and we would be um, publicly shamed if that number on the scale went up at all. Okay, last one. Last one and properly. The civil claim alleges Klein and her teammates at Omega Gymnastics Sports Center in Coquitlam were subjected to abusive conduct by coaches Vladimir and Svetlana Lashin. The physical abuse linked to a culture of psychological abuse, the claim states, including verbal abuse and bullying, body shaming, weekly weigh-ins, and instructing athletes to not tell their parents what happened at practice. It was awful. It was, um, I had I had never been yelled at by an adult ever before that. 
Klein walked away from gymnastics in 2003 at age 14 after she alleges she was forced to perform a vault while recovering from a torn hamstring. It just ended up being the day that I just couldn't take it anymore. Klein claims she continues to suffer physical and psychological harm, including back and neck injuries, broken fingers and toes, chronic pain, and stunted growth. She's alleging systemic negligence with the goal of bringing meaningful change to the sport. Change to such a degree that every child who's participating in it is safe. Omega did not respond to Global News. Gymnastics Canada and Gymnastics BC declined to comment, stating they have yet to be served. None of the allegations has been proven in court. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Family doctors in danger of disappearing. And with the only family practice in Euclid on the verge of closing, it leads to some fiery debate in the legislature. That's next on the News Hour. You fill my heart with love, and I'm not afraid to share that with everyone. Love in the legislature. How a romantic politician picked the perfect time to pop the question later. And 40 years later, the Canucks' improbable run to the Stanley Cup Finals and the brawl that started it all. That's a Squire report coming up later. Right now, though, right now, though, another Vancouver Island town is facing the possibility it could lose its only family medical practice. Despite a full patient load, the Euclid Medical Clinic has been operating at a loss and could shut its doors as soon as the end of the month. Kylie Stanton reports. It has more than double the number of patients than the town's population. But at the end of the month, Euclid's only family medical practice will be closing its doors. Where it would mean to travel quite a ways to get um, just a, a diagnostic for something that worries you. And I guess here it would mean you'd have to go to Tofino or even further to Port Alberni. And that's quite a long trip. We have lots of people here and need the health care, so... It'd be sad to see it go. I'm going to look into your left eye now. It's becoming a concerning trend right across the province. Doctors crunching the numbers, trying to make ends meet. But between inflation, rising costs for rent and supplies, and wage increases for employees, they're left with little choice but to move on. It is not acceptable. We know family doctors help health care outcomes. We want our patients to have the best health care delivery possible. And we should be up with the 21st century in a first world country to be able to provide the care that our patients deserve. The issue, once again, a hot topic in the BC legislature. One in five British Columbians are without a family doctor and the situation is getting worse. But in the case of Euclid, talks are underway between the province and Island Health in an effort to save the clinic. We're working with them to, to try and ensure that people in Euclid get access to the care they need. In a statement, Island Health writes, We continue to meet with the physicians who operate the clinic and with the town of Euclid to finalize plans on a temporary location for the clinic until a longer-term solution is determined. We expect to have more information on that in the coming days. We seem to have uh, made a little momentum and we're trying to work with Island Health to express the importance of not seeing this clinic shut down. Kylie Stanton, Global News. More breaking news now. Park Royal's South Mall was evacuated just before 6 this evening because of a suspicious package. West Vancouver police tweeting out that emergency crews are on the scene. 
They're asking people to avoid the area. Shoppers were told to leave and security told staff to lock up their stores and leave. West Vancouver police say they will update as more information becomes available. But again, the Park Royal South Mall has been evacuated. All right, just ahead, what's become a hot topic for firefighters, why they're issuing a warning about lithium-ion batteries you might have in your home. Also, use it or lose it, why a WestJet passenger won't get her travel credit back after it disappeared. This is the crash that's causing big delays for eastbound traffic on Highway 1 through Burnaby. It's in the HOV lane directly underneath the Sprott overpass. As a result, traffic is backed up into Vancouver on the approach. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside Real Canadian Superstores and Walmarts throughout BC. Find your nearest location at sussexinsurance.com. Open 9 to 9 every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One. High above a crash in Burnaby. This May, join me for the BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team, and let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at workouttoconquercancer.ca. An early morning fire badly damaged the Penticton Toyota dealership. It's, it's very hard to watch what you do and what you love to do and your, and your life's work burning down in front of you. And... Uh, that is a very, that's a, almost an unexplainable uh, feeling. The flames were first spotted around 4.30 this morning. The smoke visible all across the city. Crews were able to get the fire under control quickly and put out the flames before the showroom was consumed. While the damage is significant, the dealership's staff are already planning to reopen. So right, we're in the salvage and overhaul phase, so we're... Uh, Trying to recover valuables for the business owners, is, uh, try to recover as much of that property for them as they can to help their transition. We know that uh, we will move forward and, and you know, uh, come up with a short-term plan to resume our operations and some type of a triage setup and uh, long-term build back uh, even better than before. Two firefighters suffered minor injuries while battling the blaze and the investigation into what caused the fire is underway. And we'll keep the theme going because there's a warning tonight for anyone using a device with lithium-ion batteries, which nowadays uh, is just about everyone. Vancouver Fire Rescue says there's been a huge increase in fires caused by that type of battery. Kamal Karmali tells us why and how to reduce your risk of it happening to you. If it's really light, it probably isn't a good battery. Battery supplier Richard Granholm is careful about the kinds of lithium-ion batteries he gets shipped into his store. This one's a Sony. There are the known brands, and then there are the others. It's quite common to have uncertified batteries. And it's those uncertified batteries that spark concern. When customers ask him to repair those off-brand batteries, he flat out refuses. I don't really feel comfortable. Because he's seen firsthand what can happen when you toy with that kind of technology. After he turned away a customer who wanted a battery repaired. Took the battery, went outside and put it in his car and then he came running back in and it had lit on fire. It's like Roman candles going off. Boom, 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 boom. 
Vancouver Fire says there's been a large uptick in lithium-ion battery-related fires. In fact, since 2016, the number of calls it has responded to has increased by five times. The dramatic increase is probably because of Batteries are in almost everything we're using now. That includes wireless headphones, power tools, e-cigarettes, and electric vehicles. But these firefighters get calls for three items more than others. The majority of them seem to be, um, uh, so far, associated with um, uh, cell phones, e-bikes, and scooters. Their advice, use the original charger that comes with the battery, not another brand. Don't leave it over combustible materials, replace any damaged cords or batteries, and be willing to pay a little extra for a name brand. You're guaranteed to get a low quality with a low price. Or in the end, you might be paying an even higher price with a low quality product. Kamal Karamali, Global News. Well, the B.C. Court of Appeal recently sided with WestJet, dismissing a class action lawsuit by a plaintiff who had argued that travel credits are just like gift cards and cannot expire. Consumer Matters reporter Andrea joins us with more on how the decision will impact airline credits going forward. And Thanks, Chris. Consumer Protection BC, the provincial regulator, is now updating its website regarding travel vouchers and credits. The move comes after a recent court ruling found WestJet travel bank credits do not meet the definition, definition rather, of either prepaid purchase cards or gift cards. The WestJet customer had received a travel bank credit after she bought and then voluntarily canceled a flight. She used part of that credit, but the rest expired one year later. The plaintiff claimed travel bank credits constituted prepaid purchase cards or gift cards under provincial consumer protection laws and were precluded from having expiry dates. Her claim against the airline was certified as a class action until BC's top court dismissed it on appeal. The ruling notes that under BC's Business Practices and Consumer Protection Act, prepaid purchase card means a card, written certificate, or other voucher or device with a monetary value that is issued or sold in exchange for the future supply of goods or services and includes a gift card and gift certificate. The panel of three appeal court judges agreed the plaintiff purchased a prepaid flight, not a prepaid purchase card or gift card for travel bank credits. Prior to the ruling, the Consumer Protection BC website had stated travel vouchers or airline credits for a specific dollar amount are not allowed to expire. So yes, we are going to um, update information to provide a little more clarification to consumers on that because it is a bit confusing. If the consumer canceled their travel services on a non-refundable ticket, um, they should not expect the prepaid purchase card laws to apply in their case. What that means is that the credit can expire Consumer Protection BC also highly recommends anyone with a refundable ticket that was cancelled take a refund instead of a credit because whether that credit would expire or not is still a bit of a grey area. And the provincial regulator says that same advice extends to other goods and services. If you cancel or return in any item and are entitled to a refund, take the refund to avoid situations where there is an expiry date around a credit. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Good information. Thanks very much, Ann. U.S. Democrats push to preserve abortion rights. What happened when lawmakers voted on it today and why Roe v. Wade is still very much in jeopardy. 
and lonely and confused at long-term care homes. Why it's not as easy as it should be to visit loved ones. Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge, which is a little leftover traffic eastbound on the east-west connector between Knight and the S-curve. Want to be the ultimate content creator? Talk with expert photographers and filmmakers at Henry's about the best gear for streaming, podcasting, and creating photo and video content. Visit henrys.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Well, the U.S. Senate failed to pass a bill guaranteeing abortion rights across the U.S. today, leaving the fate of Roe v. Wade once again at serious risk of being overturned. And as Global's Reggie Cicchini explains, it'll now become campaign fuel ahead of the November midterms. The fear and tension across America is palpable with the Supreme Court appearing to tilt in the direction of overturning Roe v. Wade, leaving abortion access in the hands of state legislatures. The government is coming into the exam room and deciding women's reproductive health for themselves. MAGA Republicans are telling American women, your body, our choice. Senate Democrats want abortion rights codified into law, but their majority isn't large enough and Republican resistance is an obstacle. As extreme as extreme gets, it ignores modern science. It is tone deaf to public opinion. Republicans say this bill expands abortion rights too far, even as polls show six in 10 Americans say abortion should be mostly legal. Still, more than two dozen states are already preparing to enact restrictions or bans. The second the court strikes Roe down. It's not good to pit a woman against her unborn child. Healthcare providers say ending access puts a doctor's oath to do no harm in jeopardy. Doctors are afraid to go to jail by performing a procedure that, while medically necessary, may go against state law. With 50 years of rights on the line, justices' homes have been targeted by vocal protesters who fear not only the damages to women's health, but the harm it could do to low-income families. It means that children will grow up in poverty and do, do worse themselves. This is about power and control over the most marginalized communities. And Democrats are now eager to stir the base ahead of the midterms. Tens of millions of women are watching what will happen to the rights they've relied on for decades. Abortion rights activists say without legislation, there might not be any going back if Roe is overturned. With Republicans already whispering, if they regain control, they may enact a national abortion ban. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Well, the rules around visiting loved ones in long-term care have changed many times throughout the pandemic. Now, according to the BC CDC website, social visits have resumed and all visitors are allowed as long as they follow the guidelines. But, as Richard Zussman explains, some facilities are still limiting visitors due to staffing shortages. Grandpa? It is the news most of those with loved ones in long-term care have been longing to hear. There are no limitations. But for some, the words have been a stretch from reality. Visitor guidance has changed. There were supposed to be no limitations on how many visitors can come visit someone in long-term care. However, in some cases, a group of people are being told they can't come in together. There may be cases where COVID-19 would be present 
in a care home where some restrictions are in order, but that's to be expected, then that would, that would always be the case in any event. But the bigger issue is staffing. There are some homes where not everyone can come in because they are short on people to help enforce the rules still in place, including a proof of vaccination requirement, COVID screening, a required COVID test, restricted visiting hours, mandatory masks in common areas, and required hand washing. Jean, can I hold your hand? The BC Care providers calling on the province to deal with the shortage by changing one of its key pandemic policies, the single-site staffing order. The lack of staff mean that, that you know managing visitors can be challenging, but just uh, providing the level of care needed. Uh, what I would say about the single-site order is it allowed us to maintain staffing and to protect seniors uh, in long-term care at a crucial moment in the pandemic. The province's seniors advocate is about to embark on a survey looking at living in long-term care over the past five years, two of which were in a pandemic. The report is far from done, but one recommendation expected to be in there will be on standard of care. I think there is still a lot of room around uh, understanding what we should be looking for for care homes to provide in a standardized and accountable way. We came to tell you that we love you so much. A standard of care does exist, but it's largely bureaucratic, and the pandemic has shown is largely unenforceable, meaning at some care homes in B.C., group visits have been easy, while in others, those in care have missed out on precious minutes with loved ones. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. A COVID-19 ritual showing gratitude to healthcare workers is making a comeback, at least in Burnaby. Remember that? The pot-banging salute has returned to Burnaby Hospital for National Nurses Week. Organizers say frontline healthcare workers have continued working throughout the pandemic despite a labor shortage, long hours, and even at times verbal abuse. The appreciation event, plus free coffee is a way to honor the nurses. Well, they work really long hours and tirelessly. And, you know, I think on the back end, we don't see a lot of, uh, they're dealing with a lot of people that are stressed right now with the pandemic as well. So everybody's heightened and we just want to give them a break, give them a treat and let them know that, they're, that people care for them as well and appreciate what they do. At the height of the pandemic, the nightly ritual started at 7 p.m. in many cities around the world. And of course, right here, in the Lower Mainland. Part of our sign-off was happy banging, everybody, which... You've been dying to say that. Didn't exactly catch on. <laughs> do you feel better now? I do now. Okay. Coming up, a shocking proposal in the B.C. legislature. Will you marry me? No better time than question period to ask. That's later. But first, high water worries in Tulamine. Why residents are at greater risk of flooding. Attention. Need the latest info on budgeting, personal finances, taxes, affordability, or any other money issues in this pricey province? Then get informed. Andrua examines Consumer Matters on Global News. There are more flood concerns in B.C. tonight. Residents of the Colmont and Tulamine areas northeast of Hope are being warned to be prepared for high water levels. As residents of the Similkameen region are still dealing with the damage from last November's floods, they're being warned that the spring freshet and rain could bring more. 
there was a lot of damage to the riverbed from the flood and it's kind of changed course in a lot of places. There's a lot of erosion, a lot of washed away uh, uh, parts of the road, parts of the trail. And uh, so the, the locals seem to think that that could put us at higher risk for flooding. The local regional district says it's monitoring water levels with the BC River Forecast Centre and it's urging residents to sign up to its new alert system. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon for a look at that forecast. Uh, you know, these concerns are ramping up because of that slow snow melt, Christy. That's right. And we want it at this point now, because it's been so slow, we don't want a big warm up. What we want is a gradual warm up over the next little while. A massive uh, warm up would actually accelerate uh, the snow melt to a point where the rivers wouldn't be able to handle it. So as we talked about yesterday, I'm going to show you a tool each night over the next little while to help you sort of track that long range forecast. But first, I want to show you this photo or this video, I should say, from the Okanagan. Uh, Denise sent us this one and we're not the only ones in the rain that deal with slippery conditions. Uh, the little guys, all the, the mother nature has to deal with it too. And this squirrel is certainly having a hard time uh, on that uh, banister. All right, a warning for all you travelers. We are expecting snow tomorrow night into Friday morning. Uh, you need mountain, or sorry, not mountain tires. You need snow tires if you're traveling the mountain passes. Freezing level will be low enough so that snow may be down to about 800 meters. So all of those mountain passes. And here's the reason why we have yet again a cool pool of air shifting over the province. So we are going to see a slight warm up by the end of the weekend, not enough of a warm-up that it will impact the flood scenarios drastically, but a little bit of a warm-up before it drops once again. So we continue with the same pattern that we've seen over the last little while. We've got rainfall on the way for the south coast. Parts of Vancouver Island saw it earlier today. Metro Vancouver, not yet, but we will. It will be wet tonight and it will be windy and cold tomorrow across the south coast. Not yet in through the interior, but certainly we will see that across our area with highs of only 9 or 10 degrees. That's typically what we would see in early part of March. Thankfully, it looks like Friday we get catch a little bit of a break before the rain pushes back in. Tonight's Central Windows weather window comes to you from Burnaby. Thank you to Bernie for sharing that gorgeous sunset from last night. All right, guys, back to you. Lovely. Thank you, Christy. Well, there was quite a question before question period today in the B.C. Legislature. It's you fill my heart with love, and I'm not afraid to share that with everyone. And uh, I just have one question for you. Um, <laughs> will you marry me? <laughs> Port Moody Coquitlam MLA Rick Glumack proposed to his partner, Haven Lebecki. She said yes, and then he went up to the gallery to where Haven was seated. I think that was the first proposal ever made in any Commonwealth Parliament inside. Well, that may be true for a parliament in B.C. An MP in Australia did propose to his partner in parliament back in 2017. And there. Um, shock. <laughs> I'm still kind of processing this all. I thought he was acting a little bit funny, but you tell yourself you're seeing things. I, I practiced this speech so many times and, and I, I'm, you know, thank goodness I did because I, I was so nervous once I got up there. But I. I, I, love, I love her so much, and I, I'm, I'm very happy to uh, have done, done this, and, and we can uh, you know, start our life together. He did a great job, I thought, mm -hmm. under the circumstances with everyone watching. <laughs> Congratulations to Rick Lumack and Haven on their engagement. What a moment.
Uh, okay, we'll check in with Squire right now, see what's coming up in sports. Squire. Well, we're going to uh, talk about the Vancouver Whitecaps a little bit, who play tonight in the Canadian Championship game. Logan Stankoven, one of the best players in the Kamloops Blazers. He's a Kamloops kid. We'll meet him, show you what happened last night between the Giants and Blazers. It was a crazy finish. And also, well, I'll let you say the next part. Oh, thank you, Squire. (laughs) Squire's going to talk about the glory days, the first of a three-part series from Squire about the 1982 Vancouver Canucks and the season that surprised everyone. Valor FC is a good name. Valor FC. Yeah. But you would know where they're from if no, you just that's, heard Valor FC. That's true, unless it's, where are they from? They're from Winnipeg. Oh, okay. Yeah. There is a soccer team, I should know what country it is in South America, whose name is The Strongest. That's wow. the name. Very literal. The uh, Vancouver Whitecaps start their Canadian championship season tonight against Valor FC, Sophie's new favorite soccer team from the Canadian Premier League and from Winnipeg. As we just mentioned, the uh, Caps have not had a lot of luck in this Canadian Championship Series the last few years. Because of that, they're going to go with a bit of an experienced lineup here, which will feature Ryan Gold and Lucas Cavallini in the starting 11. Sidney Crosby and the Penguins trying to end their first-round series with the Rangers tonight. Starts well. Weird goal by Jake Gensel. Another bad one on Igor Shosturkin. That made it one nothing. It was 2 nothing. Uh, Penguins at one point. This is bad. Crosby takes a stick to the head and then gets hit in the head again and leaves the game. Didn't come back. 2-1 second period now. Rangers will tie it. Alexis Lafreniere makes it 2-2. It was 3-3 in the third period. Five Rangers on the power play attack here. It ends up being a goal for Philip Heedle. They'd get an empty netter as well and stay alive in their series with Pittsburgh Game 6 in Pennsylvania. This was dumb by Darnell Nurse last night. What are you doing right? Coming up here, the headbutt on Philip Deneau. The Oilers are down 3-2 in this series, and Nurse can't play game six because of what he did last night near the end of the second period. Can't be losing your head like that in the playoffs. Speaking of playoffs last night, Vancouver Giants and the Kamloops Blazers. This is game three. Blazers won the first two games of this series, but Alex Cotton gives the Giants a 3-2 lead, and look, how they held the lead. With seconds left, Kamloops' net is empty. This puck refuses to go in because the Giants basically have six goalies. Connor Horning is the defenseman laying there who kept the puck out. And game four tomorrow with um, Kamloops now leading the series two games to one. It's been a good series so far. Now, whether it's the Vancouver Giants or any team that plays the Kamloops Blazers, one of the things you must do to beat Kamloops is somehow slow down Logan Stankoven. He's not a big man in stature, but he plays the game big, and he puts up big stats, like 104 points in 59 games this past regular season. Second overall, make that a second-round pick, I should say, of the Dallas Stars, and he's the star of Kamloops. That could be a Memorial Cup rep for the Western Hockey League, depending how the playoffs go this year. You know, I bleed the blue and orange, and um, you know, I played you know in Kamloops for you know uh, I guess minor hockey growing up all my life, and. 
Um, I know what it means to, you know, make Kamloops proud and, and to represent it in a, a classy way. And that's, you know, uh, something that I try and do and lead by example every day. Logan Stankoven was destined to play for the Kamloops Blazers. In fact, the Blazers logo could also double as Logan's birthmark. The 19-year-old was born and raised in Kamloops, and all he's done since suiting up for his hometown team is fill the opposition net with goals night after night, game after game. Very committed to his game, to improvement. He wants to score. He wants to succeed. He wants to, he wants to be the guy. He's a proud Blazer. I think the, the the city's behind him. I think he, he he feels that, and I think that he's a he's a real important part of our success. It's so unique and so cool to have a guy like him from Kamloops playing for his hometown team. I mean, he grew up watching the Blazers, and and now here he is starring with the Blazers. It's it's really cool right now. He was probably our most improved guy from the off season coming in. He just works so hard and he's relentless, and, and it's it's fun to watch. The Blazers' glory years of the early 90s when they won three Memorial Cups in four years came a decade before Stan Coven was born. But he knows all about the Rich Blazers' history and what hoisting a Memorial Cup means to the city of Kamloops. Yeah, for sure. Um, I believe one of the Memorial Cup games my dad was in the building and uh, I think it was the game they played, the Detroit Junior Red Wings. Not 100% sure, but uh, he just said it was electric. Out of the net, Stan Coven back in front, takes the return pass, now it's Stan Coven who's charging up Blazers fans. He racked up 45 goals and 104 points in 59 regular season games. And you can see why he's destined to skate in the National Hockey League for the Dallas Stars. Jay Janor, Global Sports. Well, Vladimir Guerrero's not happy about things. Blue Jays in a bit of a slump right now. In New York earlier today, Glaber Torres, this one's just going to get beyond the wall. That's a three-run homer. That made it 3-1 in the fourth, and then he would score two. Same guy, Glaber Torres. Anthony Rizzo will cross the plate rather easily. However, DJ LeMahieu, is he safe? Yep, he is. Want a replay? Here's one right here. He is indeed safe. Jason lost four straight. Uh, COVID isn't done causing problems in pro sports. The Cleveland Guardians are dealing with an outbreak, and because of that, their game with the White Sox today was postponed. Among those who have tested positive for COVID is Guardians manager Terry Francona. This is the first game this season to be postponed because of COVID. Last year in baseball, there were nine. 2020, there were 45. That was a shortened season. Uh, Italian uh, Open, tennis. Uh, Bianca Andrescu, a second-round winner today. Leila Fernandez did not make it through the second mm. round. There you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. All right. Coming up next, looking back at the Vancouver Canucks' surprising playoff uh, run in 1982 and the brawl that started it all. This May, join me for the BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team, and let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at workouttoconquercancer.ca. 40 years, hey? It is hard to believe. Squire, i got to say I'm a proud West Coaster in Vancouver right now, but back in 1982, I was in Calgary, <laughs> and it was tough to watch the run these guys went on.
Well, the Calgary Flames were the Canucks' first victim in the 1982 playoffs. Now, the Canucks went into the playoffs below 500, although back then 16 of 21 teams made the playoffs. I think there were six teams that were actually below 500. But they went on a run all the way to the final, didn't win the Stanley Cup. But the run, for those who were alive and living in Vancouver, Chris, and Canuck <laughs> fans, it was incredible. As the Vancouver Canucks knock off the Chicago Blackhawks. About a month before the 1982 playoffs, the Vancouver Canucks didn't look like a Stanley Cup contender. They were losing the teams that no longer exist and teams that wore long pants. But then everything changed, thanks to an unexpected meet and greet, or meet and beat if you like, with the Quebec Nordique fans. Some fan stabbed uh, uh, Harry Neal, one of the guys with it, whatever it was, through the glass, and that, you know, brought it to the level it ended up going to. Yeah, I can see uh, Howard and, and Schnapps going in the stands, and they were throwing beers at Harry Neal, and then I said, okay, this is fun now. And I think that turned the page for our team. The incident forced the Canucks to change head coaches because NHL boss John Ziegler suspended Harry Neal for 10 games, meaning Roger Nielsen became the interim head coach. And the rest of that season went undefeated. So we ended the playoffs feeling really good about ourselves. We had six wins and three ties. So the first round, of course, was against the Calgary. But that, that trip and that game at Quebec City was a huge part of the reason that we did so well as a group. Things went so well that Harry Neal decided to let Roger Nielsen coach Vancouver for all of the postseason. Malin, shot, Reagan stopped it, score! Tiger Williams! It was just a good group of, uh, of, of guys, a really good group of guys. I always use the philosophy about that 82 team was all for one and one for all. It didn't matter if you had one shift or 20 shifts, who scored a goal or who got an assist. You know, we had some, some character players and uh, at the end of the day, uh, we knew we could, could trust our teammates to whatever situations uh, we, we got in. It's always good to hear Jim Robson again. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow yeah. we'll take a look at the next series, which was the Chicago series, which is the one that had the famous towel on a stick moment, which mm -hmm. is, of course, immortalized with a statue outside of Rogers Arena. Amazing. Really? Look forward to that. Okay, quick final word on weather, Christy. Rain is just starting to push in right now. It is going to be wet for the remainder of the evening as that shifts in. Tomorrow, a stormy day. Wet, windy, cold. If you're traveling BC Ferries, you may want to check with them before you head out. And certainly, make sure you bundle up and stay dry. Waiting on Friday for sure. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great night. Good night, all.